Pablo Fatiti is with me in the studio this evening. And Pablo, when I look at it, the lines are filling up with people with crazy ideas. I spoke to the former dragon James Khan this week, and he's almost, almost as cool as you. Uh, fewer than 20% of the businesses he is invested in on Dragon's Den run the risk of going bust. And I think that's a pretty good success rate on his part. But so much of what we see on Dragon's Den is entertainment. So much of it is like watching Christians being thrown to the lions in the, in the Roman amphitheater. But great ideas do emerge in Dragon's Den, don't they, Pablo? They do. Very rarely, but they do. They, ver- they very rarely do. Let me put it to this way. In Dragon's Den itself, can you imagine how many people apply for those people oh, who are eventually profiled to find a, a shot, on, shot, well, shot in, on screen, get an opportunity on screen? And in many ways, you know, the, the way that the program is designed, you need to have some characters, you need to have some crazy ideas, but you also need to have some investable businesses. So the mix makes it very interesting, very entertaining. But Bruce... It doesn't even scratch the surface in terms of how insane some ideas can get. Okay, but I mean, like great companies aren't always great investments, depending on how much you have to pay for them. Not all ideas are great businesses. And you must get pitched brilliant ideas, wonderful ideas, all the time that you know are dead in the water. Very much so. But here's the thing. A new idea doesn't originate all of a sudden from fresh from something. It normally is forged in fire and pain. And that means the original idea you have that you go to market with, if you have the right approach and you have the courage to take it to market, because most people don't, most ideas remain in the brain, they never act it out, which in my mind doesn't make it a viable idea. When you act it out and people turn around and say, you've got to be kidding me, or I don't like this, or if you did this, I would do that for you. That's the process of how an idea really becomes a business idea. So you can have a fanciful idea in the back of your head, but if you take it to market, it's going to get panel-beated into something that the market will eventually be able to enjoy. Let's listen to a couple of ideas that people have got this evening um, on 021-446-0567, Herbie in Rotoport, I think you've got a whole fistful of ideas. I'm going to ask you to choose one of them um, and, and pitch it to Pablo this evening. Hello, Herbie. Hello, hello, Bruce and Pablo. Yeah, I've created a, a prototype of a, a remote-controlled uh, six-shot bowling machine for like a cricket for cricket balls, but takes those hard rubber balls. So, uh, so one of the days when little Jimmy uh, can't practice his batting at home because he doesn't have a Tommy to bowl for him, so just uh, set this thing up at down at one end of the driveway, is weaker to the other end and plugs it in and. Uh, Touch a button on the back of the bat handle and he can bowl balls to himself all day. Does it? Does it vary? The, the does it bowl bounces? Does it pitch him up? Does it pitch him low? Yeah, does it give can, you a googly? It gives you variety. Does it all the time? Yeah, it gives you. You can adjust it for short or or full and a bit of spin, left spin, right spin, top spin, bottom spin. Herbie and Rotoport, your, your parrot loves the parrot, it. The parrot, <laughs> parrot, the parrot thinks it's a fabulous idea, um, but it's not up to the parrot. It's up to Pavlo. Um, it seems like a nice idea. I mean, the, these machines at tennis clubs and things, which will spit balls over the net at you so you can practice your forehand and your backhand, could it work in a cricket context, Pavlo? Well, yeah, especially if you're a very, very lonely person without friends, because normally you'd have someone to bowl at you. But here's the thing. There are a couple of things we're going to try and unpack, Herbie. Where did the idea come from? In other words, did people say to you, you know, one of the most frustrating things about training in cricket is that you've got to find a friend to always bowl at you. And then they never bowl the same ball. So you can't get right. You can't get your shots right in a certain way. So where does the idea come from? If it's simply in your mind, 
it's not an idea yet. If you've gone to a cricket club and you've spoken to 30, 40, 50 cricketers and they've said, hey, you know what, that's something I would definitely buy. In fact, I'd love to see the first version of it. Then that's the seed of the beginning of a good idea. The next thing, Herbie, is do you have an asset stack? And it's just an expression that I made up, so I don't really know how else to put it. But an asset stack says, listen, I come from provincial cricket or I have the means to manufacture this machine and I can actually get a prototype out there. Or I have a distribution channel into all the big cricket equipment shops. But if you don't have assets that stack up in your favor to take a good idea to market, then you're going to find yourself on the back foot. So those are the two comments I would make in this instance. Where did the idea come from? Can you show me that there would be a customer today, tomorrow, maybe six or seven? And then secondly, can you make the thing? Can you manufacture it? in a manner where you have all the odds stacked in your advantage. Lekker, Pavlo, a couple more ideas coming through this evening. Rusty in Camps Bay, you want to babysit orchids. I have the idea. I don't want to do it. I'd like to put it out to some youngster out there to babysit orchids. Why would anybody <laughs> want to babysit orchids? Because they always die. <laughs> because we all go off and we spend two to three hundred rand on a beautiful orchid. Three months later, it's dead because we do not know how to look after it. So the idea would be you take your orchid, which you've now neglected because you've not looked after it properly. You take it to the orchid babysitting place. The person there restores it to a level of health and then returns it to you. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, And how much does an orchid cost, Rusty? Oh, they can cost from 200 to 250 rand. Okay. Thank, thank, thanks, Rusty. I mean, the problem I see with this one, Pablo, is you're going to have to have a thousand orchid plants that you're looking after at any one time in order to justify the, the to, to make some kind of return. And it, I, it sounds I, like a lot of work for not too much profit. Well, let's look at it from this point of view. I think, I think in fact, there might be a very canny way to do this. Ooh. And the reason I'm saying that, Rusty, is if I... So let's say I had the service. The way I would run it, is I would go and invest and buy a whole lot of orchids. Ah. You bring me your orchid, and I'll swap it out for 50 rand. So you will get a fresh, happy, robust, vibrant orchid for the one that you've brought, especially if I'm able to rehabilitate the one that you've brought. I then take it through a process of rehabilitation, and in effect, I've created a rent and orchid store. Now, is that a business? Is it a job? To me, it feels more like a job. I don't think that you're ever going to get critical mass. In other words, is there a big enough market? And is the cost of getting to that market low enough for you to get a return on the service mm. that you provide? And that's an important ingredient in, a, in, an, in an idea. Because if you're going to start a business and go through the pain of it and risk your capital and risk your time, the most important ingredient you have, you need to make sure that you're building something more than just a job for yourself. Is it a business that of a day I could sell it and retire from it? That's what I look for in India. You orchid aid or something along those lines. I mean, the, the branding opportunities of this are absolutely favorite. Bring your awkward orchids in and we will refurb your <laughs> orchids. Rusty, it's a fabulous idea, but I just I worry that you've got to do lots of, lots of volume uh, in order to get it right. But, uh, Rusty, there's a seed of an idea or a bulb of an idea uh, there. Uh, gee, and it could it, blossom, Bruce. It could, it could bloom.
Um, <laughs> G in Gardens and Jose and Paro with you in just a moment. Pablo Fatidi is taking your calls this evening on uh, ideas that some people may think are crazy, but Pablo may very well steer your idea to the next level to help you turn what some people say is crazy into a feasible business. If we've got a buyer for Herbie's bowling machine, Pablo. Monique Chinna on uh, my Twitter account says, I'll buy Herbie's cricket machine. I'm my son's often unwilling bowler. There's a market, Pablo. There's a market. I'm not sure there's a market for a thousand, but there's a market. Um, <laughs> there certainly seems to be. Absolutely. G and Gardens, are you a techie, G? Yes, I am indeed. What's your idea? Well, as a web developer, I've had a lot of clients complaining about the turnaround time with web development in all the spheres and across the market. Mm-hmm. So my girlfriend challenged me and said, how about designing it as fast as possible? So I took a challenge, decided to turn it on its head, and we now um, would like to develop a website within one day. And what, how complex is the website? I mean, that, that's the issue here, isn't it? Because I can set up a website for, for myself in half an hour using many of the free website tools around the world. What sort of level of service are you offering here, G? Well, it comes with a, a copywriter so that they can do this. The biggest problem I find with web sites and web um, business owners, they don't have the time to learn those tools that ah. are available. And they don't have the time to create the, the writing or the copy, as they call it. And they don't know how to find the right pictures to make the um, website look truly amazing. Lekker, G. Thank you very much in Gardens. Is there a business model there, website in a day, Pablo? Yeah, there's a global business model in it. And, you know, you see it in, on sites like Elance or 99.com, where you find a person like G who's got talent, who's got capability, they're sitting somewhere in the world, so it's always midday for one of them. And when you go into these websites and you say, look, I need a website and I'm prepared to pay 5,000 Rand for it. Bruce, out of 50, 60, 70,000 individuals like this, someone's going to say, hey, that's enough for me. I can get it done in a couple of hours or a day and bang you in business. So building this kind of business is, it's a global business if you really want to turn it into anything and if you want to turn it into anything real. Because the fact is, and you hit the nail on the head, when it comes to designing that website, the website that you can build in a day, including the copy, which I think G is very brave to, yeah. to, to, to take responsibility for, to do that in a day, you're going to have to have quite a standard format. And a brochure-type website, a standard format website, wow, it's competitive out there in terms of price. Because in many instances, it's, it's become idiot-proof to do it yourself. You know, you look at that service that mm. we used in the 1,000 Rand campaign. Yeah. It was for free, and all of us managed, I think most of us managed to create a website from nothing in a couple of hours. Yeah, absolutely right. So, gee, be careful with it. I mean, the personal consultation would help, I suppose. If he's in gardens, it's nice and central. Lots of people can go there. They can see him personally, have a consultation. He can work from there. The personal element may help there. Uh, Ryan has got a fantastic idea. He wants to start a company that does fire pool installations. We won't go any further on that one. Uh, Jose in Paro, the most patient man in Paro tonight. What's your idea? Hi, guys. Um, as I said, it's a privilege to be able to be on your show. If I sound a little nervous, it's because I'm sure there's a lot of clever people out there listening. Um, well, there's certainly no clever this. people in the studio this evening. <laughs> 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 All right, then. Um, so, I'm, you know, transport is probably one of the, you know, the biggest uh, things we spend our money on. And uh, I had to, you know, find ways around this problem. So I put on a pair of rollerblades in my 20s and I roller skated to the train station. 
And so uh, the same problem, you know, occurred now when I was 30. Um, I had to find a solution again. So the idea just popped my mind, folding bikes. Let me just take a folding bike to the station, fold it up, put it on, underneath my seat, and uh, get to my destination and unfold and ride off from there. So meeting a lot of people on the train, and I mean a lot, uh, you know, just puzzled at what can exist in engineering, you know, a bike that can fold up. Uh, the idea has never occurred to many of them, it, it seems to me. So an idea formulated in my mind, striking a deal with Metro Rail, selling folding bikes from the station, you know, encouraging more people to use a public transport. Public transport would, would in essence, become better because we'd have more people supporting it. Like it, Jose. Thanks very much. I've seen these overseas fold-up bicycles and stuff, and they work brilliantly, Pablo. Well, remember we did that show, um, What's Happening in London? It was about three months ago, four yes. months ago. And the Brompton Bicycle, we spoke about the Brompton Bicycle. And in effect, Jose, what it is, it's a fold-up bike that sits in a stainless steel locker. And you can buy or rent, you can actually rent the bike from train station to train station for a, a period of time. You register on a website, your credit card details are there, you rent the bike, and the moment you put it back in the locker, it says, well, you used it for an hour, and it's £10 an hour, and it charges you accordingly. Secondly, when you look at an idea like this, Great idea, but it's been done, and it's been done everywhere. Up in Johannesburg, are you based down in, yeah, it was Paro, down in Cape Town. Up in Johannesburg, the car train is operating, it's chock-a-block, it's full, and I see fold-up bikes on these on the, on the car train all the time. So unless you have, remember the asset stack we spoke about, the ability to make the product is the first thing. That either requires money or it requires factory facilities or it requires a partner who has a capability. And then the next thing is distribution. It's a difficult thing to sell unless you have established relationships in the bike shops. But, but Jose, so, Jose knows his market. He's on the trains. Nobody in Cape Town has got it. He may very well have an opportunity here. Secure the agency. Okay. Secure the agency for the Western Cape and find a way to market it effectively over there. Because that's what the, that's what the opportunity is. That's, in fact, you're right, Bruce. That's, that's executing on the idea. It doesn't mean that you have to own the bike, but you can have the agency for the bike. There we go. Pablo, I need to let you go. I wish I didn't, but I have to. Thank you, Pablo, for TDs this evening, sharing your insights and your fabulous ideas this evening. Some real thought going into it, and it's marvelous. Thank you for sharing that for us.